What's happening, everybody? Zach here with the Zach Shanky Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Uh, if you are new here, this is a podcast where I basically go over lessons learned and things that have impacted my life, essentially financially, uh, is the kind of the primary purpose here because that's what most people are kind of hooked to. Um, however, what you'll find as you listen to my podcast is that my my biggest discovery is in order to have the financial success you've got to line up three other things and that is time health and relationships um without those three things the finances are going to continue to be stuck and lag behind so um that said today's episode i actually want to talk about risk i actually do want to talk about the finances a little bit and these topics of risk and fear and how to how to calculate risk or at least how do i calculate risk we literally just invested into a an endeavor that we consider risky um and i'm not going to lie i'm pretty nervous about it <laughs> pretty nervous about it um, but, but i am hopeful i am so hopeful uh, and so, anyway, I want to tell you a little bit about my process, as well as my experience with risk, both the good and the bad, because I've had some things that I did that were risky that ended up not being the best idea in the world, right? Um, so, I think let's start with probably the, the first risk item, which was my first investment into entrepreneurship. So the backstory is I was an engineer, I was working, I was uh, traveling two and a half weeks a month, that was the requirement for the position I was in. I was making six figures, or close to it, I was like, it was a very, very close to six figures, so we'll just say six figures. Uh, it was like 96, 97,000, somewhere around there. So I was doing pretty good, uh, in, by, by normal standards, I guess you could say. Um, I also was a fool with money. I was a fool. I didn't totally understand it. You know, I just, oh, I make this much a month. Um, do we have any any room to spare? We do? Sweet. Let's buy something, right? Like, that was basically my philosophy of life. And, uh, and so we ended up with, you know, a mortgage payment, two car payments, um, all, this, all this stuff. And we were very, very, very much over-leveraged. And in that over-leveraged position which was stressful. I also had some moments where I could I could feel my relationship with my kids and even my spouse at the time dwindling because I was away from home so much. And even when I was at home and not traveling, I was still doing, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week in my office. You know, as in this position that I was in. And uh, it was rough. It was really rough. So I decided um, to invest into some kind of entrepreneurship venture. I did some Googling. I watched some ads, read some ads, um, followed some people, and I landed on this, this program. I'm not going to mention the program. It's no longer available. Like, it, the business died. But this program taught how to be an affiliate marketer. And affiliate marketing, the the enticement with affiliate marketing is, hey, you set it up once and then ta-da, you're just constantly getting money and it's infinitely scalable because it's a numbers game and all this 
all this BS. And it's it's legitimately a I can't say it's legitimately a lie. It's just very misleading. It is not that simple. And so I ended up finding a program to teach me how to do it. And um, in their defense, their their education was pretty good. Um, the part that really hit me hard in a bad way was the way that they pitched it compared to how they delivered it. So the way they pitched it was, hey guys, I know this is a $15,000 investment, um, but you actually, well, you can be an affiliate for us and we have a done for you funnel and we have a done for you uh, ad, which that in and of itself was a lie. And in addition to that, you can have, as you know, you get coaching. You will we'll actually coach you and your funnel. We'll look at your funnel and help you with your funnel. Guys, that's not exactly what happened. Um, yes, they had a done-for-you funnel template, so you can take the template and they tell you how to tweak it and stuff like that. The problem is, is that template sucked. It didn't actually perform. Um, they gave you a video to use in an ad, but they didn't. T- they didn't give you the actual part to write, and so people were fumbling around with what to write above the video and a Facebook ad. Um, they gave you. Um, email follow-up, but the emails were, were also pretty bad, not gonna lie. Um, they just didn't perform. The data told me they were bad, not not my opinion. I ran those things and nothing was working, right? Um, and then when it comes to the coaching, which was by far the biggest disappointment, um, where they look at your funnel, yeah, there was hundreds of people on the call and you had to submit your funnel at a certain time and everyone would submit at the, at the same time every week and if you were one of the, the first three to submit, like just by the luck of the draw, by milliseconds, you were first three, then you could get your funnel reviewed the next week. Um, it was pretty dumb. And um, like I said, the education part was pretty good. What I ended up doing is one of the educators, and it, he was no longer with this company, but they still had rights to his IP, so they were still showing his content in his education videos. Um, He actually became one of my actual mentors. His name is Chris Rushlow, and Chris is basically the godfather of Facebook marketing. The dude is a beast, and I've, everything that I do in my marketing success is pretty much primarily because of Chris. Uh, and the way that he thinks and the way that he uses persuasive copy. It's its really a beautiful thing. So I'm forever grateful for that. Now, was the $15,000 worth meeting and, and learning from Chris? I mean, I would say so. I would say, you know, if I just kind of wish it was just with Chris. Because <laughs> the other stuff was really pretty frivolous. Um, anyway, whatever. But I think you get my point. So that was a really risky endeavor. Did I have $15,000 laying around? No, absolutely not. I ended up uh, maxing out two credit cards and getting a loan in order to cover the expense. Uh, the investment, I should say. and uh, Which turned into an expense, technically. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was risky. Now, how did I weigh that? 
I weighed it with, okay, what are the chances of me succeeding? Now, I did not do my due diligence on this. If you do your due diligence on affiliate marketing, it, I probably would have been a lot more cautious. So what were the chances of me succeeding? Based on what they were telling me in their offer with this done-for-you funnel that just works when you plug in a couple words, um, and ba- based on the fact that they will review it, if it doesn't work, I thought, oh man, that's pretty foolproof. There's there's really no way to fail. Um, man, I was so naive. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so that's kind of where I analyzed that risk. In the end, at the end of the day, I am grateful for that experience, even though I don't like the company. I'm grateful for the experience because it did introduce me into the world of entrepreneurship as well as the world of marketing, which I do love. And uh, it, it has been pretty fruitful after some some hard times, right? Which leads me to my next risk situation that did not go well, uh, which was quitting my job, quitting that engineering position. I was under the impression with affiliate marketing that you could just scale by putting more money into advertising. So here's what I did. I ended up, I made like 500 bucks through this system, um, which was not profitable, by the way. That was just revenue. Uh, I had spent more. (laughs) I made like 500 bucks and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And so I quit my job. I put in a week and a half notice and I quit my job and you know, I've had multiple bosses in that particular company. And this one that I had when I quit, I actually really liked the guy. His name is Randy. Super nice guy, like just a very caring person. And I'll tell you what, to Randy's credit, that dude, number one, he tried to stop me from quitting by enticing me with all sorts of, all sorts of glorious things, including paying me double. I'm not even joking. But when he offered me double the salary, I was a little bit frustrated with that because that means that they were underpaying me this whole time, (laughs) right? So I was like, dude, where has this money been? Like, I probably, if if I was making that kind of money, I probably would be not so hard on looking for entrepreneurship opportunities. Uh, Anyway, whatever. So so it kind of irked me a little bit. But in addition to that, he was trying to share some wisdom because he's an older gentleman. And he was like, dude, you know, you got health insurance. You got all these these different insurances through the, through the company and stuff like that. And that's when my rebellious side kicked in. And I was like, oh, you're trying to bribe me. Oh, la, la, la. Trying to control me, right? And I started getting all rebellious. And I ended up following through with my week and a half, uh, you know, quitting date. Um, which was risky, guys. I just gave up six figures because I made 500 bucks online. Here's where that risk analysis came into play. I legitimately felt like I was losing all my relationships. I legitimately felt lost in the relationship department. Okay? Um, And I was like, I need to make a change. I need to make a change because if I don't, like my relationship with my children and with my spouse is not going to be good and so I ended up, um, I ended up quitting, following through with that. Uh, and it just so happened, like the day I quit, I made like five thousand dollars through this affiliate program. Now all of a sudden, I'm profitable. And I took that five k and I decided to spend three of it on ads and scale my ads. 
And so I put 3K into ads, which was 100 bucks a day. And uh, guess what? I ended up making like 10K. And I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. However, the problem is, as I said, I was over leveraged on my finances. So although I just made 10K, technically it was only 7K. 7K was less than I was making as an engineer. And 7K is the profit, right? Because I spent three on ads, right? And so I was still losing money. Isn't that crazy? What the freaking crap? <laughs> I just, I, I shocked myself in my own foolishness with money back then. Um, I could have done that so differently and had such a different result. So the risk, this is the way I look at risk when it comes to this kind of thing. I look at what's the risk of taking action and what's the risk of inaction. So when I look at this risk of quitting my job, the risk of quitting my job was all financial, pure financial. The risk of inaction was relational. And to me, that outweighed the financial challenge, potential financial challenge. Now, of course, I ended up making things work. I ended up finding Chris Rushlow on the side, going hard into his content. I ended up going into some other people's content to learn as much as I possibly could on marketing and and sales. And I ended up doing pretty well. I ended up being the number one affiliate uh, for that company and uh, doing super well. And most of it had to do with my ad. I had the best ad ever that I wrote and I did it I'll pretty much by sheer luck, to be honest with you, like it was, I can't believe how good, like, I didn't know what I was doing and I still had a pretty killer ad. <laughs> um, and so I ended up making all that work. And then what ended up happening is I started noticing that this company that I was affiliated with, they, they were making some pretty bad choices in terms of their ethics, business practices. Like I did not agree with them telling people that they should sell their house in order to pay for their $15,000 program. I wasn't okay with that. I also wasn't okay with some of their sales tactics where they'd be like, you know, what do you want? And they'd be like, oh, I want I want more time freedom so that I can spend time with my family. And then they'd be like, great, it's $15,000. And then the person would be like, well, you know, that's a little high. I don't think I could do that. And then the sales guy would do this kind of thing. They'd be like, oh, I thought you wanted to spend more time with your family. Is spending more time with your family not worth $15,000? That's the kind of sales, guys, that sucks. That's the kind of sales that drives businesses into the ground, which is exactly what happened. So after a while, I started kind of calling out some of this BS within that company. And, you know, I had a pretty strong voice with all their other affiliates, considering I was the number one. And they basically said, uh, they basically kicked me out of their affiliate program. They dropped the the number one dude bringing them business and they dropped me uh, and I was grateful for it. Immediately grateful. I was, I had no regrets because I did not want to be a part of that. So now I'm stuck in this position of, oh crap, no, now I'm not making money. Like I, I finally got it to work. I finally was able to scale things and now I'm stuck again, back to square one. I have this marketing skill set. What do I do with it? Right? What do I do with it? Cause obviously I did well. And I started getting into freelance copywriting because the thing that made that marketing thing pop was copy. And so I started writing emails for people primarily. 
um, I found that I was really good at emails and I was getting results from them. So I wrote my list. I had a list of like a thousand people, not, not very big. And I was writing them all the time and promoting my own copywriting. I made a copywriting course of my own. Um, that's a really fun course. I wonder if I can dig that up and give it to some people. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can find it though. That was a fun course. You guys, I, I talk about like the reptilian mammalian and neocortex brains. Like there's, there's a lot of persuasiveness that happens in there. Dude, I haven't actually done that in a while. I have not done reptilian copy in a while. And that's, that's like very powerful. Anyway, whatever, whatever. I had this whole thing and I, and I sold that copywriting course for like 300 bucks, you know, nothing huge. And, uh, and I started kind of making my way and making money just from freelancing. And then eventually that became a marketing coach. Eventually it became an an ad agency. After the ad agency, I immediately started a new ad agency. (laughs) And, uh, here we are today with prosperity movement, um, taking all that skill and all that experience and putting it into one company that I, I have partial ownership of is absolutely amazing. I love it. I love it to death, guys. I really love what I do. So recently, so those were some examples of some good and some bad. Did it, did quitting my job, did I get the payoff I was looking for? Meaning, did I get the improved relationships that I was looking for? Here's what I ended up getting. I ended up getting the time that I needed to do my part in improving my relationships. And I can guarantee you my relationship with my kids improved drastically drastically. However, my spouse, not so much. (laughs) My spouse, we still had a lot of struggles and a lot of that had to do with, you know, actually shortly after I quit my job, she told me she didn't want to be a Christian anymore and decided to go the pagan route. That was really, really hard. And so that, that relationship got strained more and more strained over the years. And, and eventually of course we ended up getting divorced. Um, but I feel good in the fact that I did as much as I could, right? I seriously feel like I gave it a solid effort, like a plus for the effort side. Okay. Um, and so do I regret the, the risk of quitting my job? No. Do I recognize that there are probably way better ways I could have done that? Yes. Could there have been wiser ways that I did that? Yes. So I don't regret it because at the end of the day, doing that got me to uh, get out of my comfort zone and learn fast, right? However, if I were to do it again, I still would have quit. I just would have done it very differently. (laughs) I would have taken my time a little bit more and uh, probably experienced a lot less stress (laughs) with still the same relationship result at the end. So, um, that's what you have to kind of look at as well as timing is a big part of this whole thing too. Um, so anyway, so let's talk about now the, the recent risk that we took in prosperity movement. I want to talk to you about, I've, I've mentioned this already once uh, or twice, I think on this podcast, because we're really excited about it. If things work out, um, the challenges is if things don't work out. So, we have been talking for the last six to eight months about hiring a sales team, a team of people that all they do is sales and where we don't have to manage them. Somebody else manages them. We basically just get reports about their performance and, uh, we, we communicate, you know, with specials or anything that we're doing for the holidays or whatever. Um, 
that was the plan. We've been talking about it though, and, and here's the downsides to it. Number number one, biggest thing that we're concerned about is reputation, right? We're definitely concerned about like if these sales guys do that kind of crap that the other company, the the affiliate company did, where they'd be like, "Oh, I thought you wanted to spend time with your family. Is that not worth fifteen thousand dollars?" Like that's stupid, and I I we don't want that. That's not what we want. So that's one thing that we got to think about. Um, the other thing is performance. I mean, goodness gracious, I've heard many, many times that the, the, the people that can sell the product the best are the owners because you have ownership, like you are fully committed. You have full confidence in the system. Um, and so Brian and Travis, and not really me, but sometimes me, mostly Brian and Travis have been doing all of the sales for our company in the last year and a half. Uh, and doing very well with it. They, they have a killer closing rate. They do very, very good, very, very well. And so the other concern is, oh boy, is that gonna drop? Are we gonna have less sales now because of this team? Um, on the flip side, it could be that we have more sales, not because they're an owner or anything like that, but because they have one focus, right? Brian and Travis have other responsibilities outside of sales. And so for them to be have a split focus and still having the closing ratios that they have is pretty is pretty amazing, really outstanding. And so if if somebody all their only job and their only skill set to hone in on and to improve and to focus with is sales, you would think that you would end up with better sales. The other piece to that is they have a full follow-up so this company we're going with, they have a full follow-up system as well for outbound calls, which we have a very rough plan with that right now. And people fall through our cracks all the time because we're so busy, right? And so having another team where people don't fall through their cracks, that's also a potential revenue generator just from that itself. So our hope is that at least they have as good of a closing ratio as us, but their outreach is so much better because ours is is lackluster, um, that that's going to increase our sales immediately. The challenge is that there is a massive upfront fee to uh, hire these guys as the sales team, and there is no guarantee. We talked to them about that. They handled it very, very well. Um, There's no guarantee. There's no, like, I'm not going to get a refund or anything like that. Um, We were able to negotiate commissions a little bit (laughs) I'm actually pretty happy with the result we got for that. But at the end of the day, it was a financial risk. So how do we, how do we look at this? Well, again, you look at what's the risk of taking action in this case, this large upfront fee, what's the end and of course, reputation. Okay. Uh, and sales in the number of sales, all financial. What's the risk of not taking action? Well, we can't scale. We were liter- We are literally maxed out. We make a certain amount of revenue every month. We're pretty darn consistent with that. We have plans on how to boost it if we need to, to hit that number. We, we have sales guys and they have calendars and their calendars are full. And it's like, okay, so we can't do anything unless we get another salesperson. Over the last year, we've tried hiring salespeople and training them ourselves. The problem is, is really good salespeople, they have other things going on. You know, like we're not their number one priority. 
um, and they don't have the patience to be trained and to do all this stuff. So, you know, we tried a few people in that kind of position and it just didn't work out. So we're like, okay, well, I guess we hire, we outsource and we see how this goes. So the other thing that we think about is worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, we're out this money. And I bet you we would learn a thing or two. So like if this sales team doesn't perform, we're probably gonna ask really good questions, effective questions, to know why they're not performing, and uh, and be able to use that and apply that to potentially a different company, where we'll probably have another large investment to make, which will suck, but it is what it is, right? It's not the end of the, the, the game, right? It's just a dip, a bump in the road. So, um, you know, worst case scenario, that's not the end of the world. Worst case scenario, we go back to doing what we're doing right now, which is more than paying the bills, right? And in addition to that, it's it's providing a nice impact on a lot of people. Um, so anyway, so these are some of the thoughts that we have. Now, personally, in my personal view of this particular risk with a sales team, I actually feel like it was a, a very, very good decision. I actually uh, feel very confident that these guys are going to perform like like beasts. They have quite the track record. I did a lot of research on them before I even talked to them. Um, and I was very impressed by their resume, the people they work with right now, things like that. Very, very impressive. Um, in addition to that, um, I have given them multiple little tests where I ask silly questions. And the way that they've handled those silly questions is actually really also impressive. Um, and I can't help but see them do better at sales than our founders, not because they're better at sales, but because they're focused. They have one focus. And I know the power of having one focus and what that can actually do for companies. So I really like that. The other thing that I really like about this company is they, they are very much, um, in it for the long haul, like without us like prompting this idea of, of a long collaborative relationship, they are telling us they're looking for a long standing collaborative relationship. They were telling us that they don't look at us or that we shouldn't look at them as an outsourced company, but instead as a partner to the business. And if we have that kind of outlook, then communication is at an all-time high, which is really important to us. And uh, all of a sudden, results results are become an all-time high as well. And so they're telling us all these things that we wanted to tell them. You know, like so we were on the same page before we even met. <laughs> um, so that to me is also really good. Also, I I don't know. I was on Zoom call with this guy twice, and. Uh, seems to be a very trustworthy kind of guy. And in fact, he even told us he doesn't work with everyone, like especially the snake oil sales stuff. If he senses that a company does that, he doesn't work with them. Like he wants to continue, you know, bringing a good reputation to salespeople instead of the, the classic, <laughs> you know, the classic uh, reputation that salespeople have, which is that of a used car salesman 
you know, snake oil sales kind of thing. So, not that all used car salesmen do that, but, you know, that's the stereotype, right? Um, so, anyway, I hope this all makes sense, guys. I hope you can learn from the risks that I have taken. Of course, there's been a whole bunch of others in between there, some bigger, some smaller. Listen, part of life is taking risk. When you ask someone on a date, you're taking a risk. When you ask someone to marry you, you're taking a risk. Risk is a part of life. If you're transferring jobs, you're taking a risk. If you're moving, there's a risk. Like, you have to learn how to navigate these risks in order to progress, in order to grow. And so it's really important to make note of the things that you have risked, the ones that went well, the ones that didn't go well, and what did you learn from each one of those things? Can you develop your own thought process and system surrounding what to do next time you experience a risk? I'll tell you what. We have a program. It's amazing. It's called our Prosperity Plan Elite Program. Our Elite Program is there to help people build generational wealth so they can do more of the things they love with the people they love most. That is our ultimate mission and our goal. And uh, we absolutely are, are accomplishing it little by little, person by person. And it's been a it's been quite a journey. Our investment to become an elite member is also not cheap, right? Now we make it attainable for the average Joe and the average Jane. The way we do that is through financing, right? So people, we have a financing partner uh, so that people, they ultimately can spend about the cost of a hot date per month. You know, we're talking like between 250 and 300 bucks a month um, to pay off the, the financing, the investment. And by the way, it's all tax deductible, and we show you how to do that too. Um, my point here, though, is this: is that a risk? Yes. And we, and we, as a company who has taken risks, <laughs> we understand that. So you know what we did is we created a guarantee, and this guarantee is amazing. After 365 days of using our process and our system and following it, by the way, you got to follow it. Okay, using and following our system. If you're not profitable, you not only get your whole investment back, but we also cover any losses you experience while trading. All of them. Every single loss. We're actually thinking about revamping that guarantee to something even more extreme, including like a dollar amount, if you don't make a certain dollar amount within a year. Um, We're not there yet, so I'm just telling you what we have so far and what we're kind of working on. Um, But the reality is, is people that follow our process succeed people that break the process start to struggle and people have realized this and what's funny is some people they just follow the process and they succeed (laughs) it's like that easy some people think they know better they think they can do the process better and all of a sudden they experience the challenges which are the reasons that we created the process to begin with the process isn't my opinion it's completely based in a whole bunch of other things like other people uh their experiences with trading and so on and so forth so anyway guys i hope this was helpful take risks calculated risks if it makes sense if the reward for taking action is better than the reward for inaction okay i love y'all thanks for listening talk to you later